we're, we're back in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 27. And Father, we just pray for your word now that, um, Lord, it will be relevant. Lord, your word is always relevant, Lord, but just we would, um, we would just understand it with the understanding of our hearts as well, the understanding of our mind, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 27, <clears throat> and as we know, uh, Samuel, or, or David, has been basically a fugitive uh, from, from Saul, and Saul has been trying to, to kill him. Um, and David is God's anointed to take over um, as king of Israel, but he's not going to take over until till the right time. Abraham, you can move up, please. Come on. So, um, this is a sh very short chapter. So we'll keep the message short this morning because, because we have the, the children in and then we're going to have communion afterwards. So 1 Samuel chapter, tw chapter 27, verse 1. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Thanks, Essie. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Mech, the king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail the Carmelites, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I now find favour in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistine was one full year and four months, 16 months in total. And David and his men went up and raided the Gersherites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And when David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jehormalites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, Lest they should inform us, saying, Thus David did, and thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. Now, I don't know if you follow, many of you follow football, but in Ireland, we know that the two big teams in football are the people support are Man United and Liverpool. <laughs> now, 
Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine if you were a Man United supporter and you woke up one day and it was in the news, Cristiano Ronaldo has gone to Liverpool? Huh? Or if you're a Liverpool supporter and you heard Mo Salah has just transferred to Man United. What? Traitor. That would be the word, wouldn't it? Traitor would be the word. And so it's terrible, isn't it? Like you, you never go to your, your arch enemy. Because it's just not done. It just doesn't happen between Liverpool and Man United. I think maybe once or twice it's happened. And, and they've never been forgiven for it. Well, here we have a situation where David is going, is doing a transfer to his arch enemy. And normally when they do a transfer, it's probably, it's usually because they're not, they're not happy with the team they're with, okay? They're not happy maybe with the manager of the team and, and they leave and they do a transfer and it, it's in their interest and they, maybe it's for money or whatever. But David does a transfer to the Philistines. So David obviously was an Israelite, but their arch enemy at the time were the Philistines as we know, and David himself had the most famous victory against the Philistines. Can anyone remember, any, any boys or girls remember what specific victory David had against the Philistines? Esther? When he killed Goliath, exactly. That was the most famous victory of all, David defeating Goliath, because Goliath was the key man, he was the star player, so to speak, on the Philistines, and David had, had defeated him. But now, for some strange reason, David goes over to the Philistine side. And we know why it is. It wasn't for, for money exactly, but it was for his security. And it wasn't just for his security, it was because he was afraid. He was afraid that Saul was going to get him. For he says, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. And he said this in his heart. And this was even though, remember David had defeated Goliath. God had kept him safe against Saul. Do you remember the time, I think it was only last, a couple of weeks ago, we heard how David had crept up to Saul's camp and God had put a sleep, all Saul's army, into a sleep. So God was looking after David. And yet somehow David got it into his mind Saul is going to kill me. Even though God had been faithful to protect David in the wilderness when he was being hunted by Saul. But it seems that it just kind of got too much for him. It, it just got too much for him and he just said in his heart, now this, is, this, isn't, going, this isn't going to end well. Okay, so he started to doubt God and, and he did something that you would, the last thing you probably expect was to go over to, to the Philistines. And of course, the king, Akish, he was delighted. Can you imagine a manager from another team getting the best player, the star player from the team? He was delighted. David and his 500 soldiers, or 500 army, strong army with him. And he thought, well, he's going to help me, and this is going to be great. This will strengthen me, and it will probably demoralize the Israelites. And so he welcomed them with, op with open arms. But then we know what happens. Um, David goes off when, when the king, uh, he goes off, first of all, he asks him, he asks him to not to live in the royal city with the king, 
but to live in a, another town. And then he goes off and does, he does these secret missions where he fights against the other enemies of Israel, who are the Amalekites and the other armies. And these are the armies, are the, the, the tribes that God had told Israel to get rid of when they came into the Promised Land. And they hadn't done it. They only got rid of some of them. They hadn't completed the job. So even though David was with the Philistines, he was off doing this work, and, and he was basically fulfilling the plan that God had to get rid of these, the Canaanites and the Amalekites from the land of Israel. So it's a strange story, really, isn't it? When you think about it. You know, it's not the story that you expect of David. Can anyone tell me? Any boys or girls, can you tell me Who, which person does the Bible tell us most about? Which person? There's the whole Bible. If you read the whole Bible, who would, it, who would it tell us most about? Isabella? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, does anyone disagree with that? It's always the right answer in Sunday school. Well, in one way you're right, Isabella, but in another way you're actually wrong. If you, if you count the, the verses in the Bible, the person that the Bible most talks about is David. So he's in lots of the history books, okay, like Samuel, and he's in the book of Chronicles, but he's also in the biggest book in the Bible. Does anyone know what the biggest book in the Bible is? Psalms. That's right, Dave, uh, uh, Abram. That's right. He's in the book of Psalms. And David wrote almost half of the Psalms. He must have wrote 50 or 60 Psalms. Okay? He wrote a lot of Psalms. And those Psalms, they were, a lot of them were like songs, but they were also kind of like prayers. But you can imagine David writing all these songs and Psalms because he was a gifted musician. But some of them he wrote, a lot of them, in fact, he wrote when he was on the run when Saul was chasing him, when he was in distress, okay? And these Psalms give us a great insight into David, okay? You can read, you can read the book of Samuel and you, get, you understand a bit about David, but if you want to really know what's going on with David, read the book of Psalms, okay? So it gives an insight into David. It also gives an insight into somebody else. Anyone put their hand up? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Because David, David was what they call a type of Jesus. Do you know what that means? A type of Jesus? If you're, if you're watching... I was yesterday watching a football match, the kids playing, and there was one guy and he was zooming down the wing and he was really good. And you're thinking, he's like Messi. He's so good. He's like Messi. He wasn't Messi, but he reminded you of Messi. And David, in many ways, reminds us of Jesus. 
okay? He was so close to God, he loved God, but in fact, and we're going to find this out in a few minutes, not only was he close to God, uh, and like Jesus, Jesus actually said the same words as David. David prophesied about Jesus. That's how close they were, in a way. But not only was he, was he like Jesus, he was also like somebody else. So who, apart from David and Jesus, who does the Bible speak most about? There's two other people. Anyone, any guess? Abraham? Sorry, Tony. <laughs> no, not Abraham. I'll give you a hint. They're in this room. Moses. Moses. No. <laughs> no Moses in the room. The two people are you, not the person beside you, you and me. Okay? You and me. The Bible speaks about us, about the condition of our heart. We know that, okay? But more so than anyone else, the life of David tells us about you and me, okay? Because it shows, as Christians, as a Christian, the different trials you go through, and through David's Psalms, you see what's going on inside our hearts. And sometimes, the things that are on it, we're thinking, and in our hearts, we don't say them. We might be feeling them. We don't say them. But when we read the Psalms, we see all sides of David. We see when he's praising God. And we see when he's in distress. We see when he's doubting God. We see when he's angry with his enemies. All the different emotions that we as humans have. And the book of Psalms is a great insight into the human emotion, especially as a Christian. So I'm going to get uh, Aaron and Oshin to come up and they're going to read a few words from David's Psalms. Do you want to come up, lads? Aaron and Oshin. So who's reading Psalm 143? Oshin, okay. Oh, do you want to read Oshin? Get up there now. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to the supplications and your faithfulness. Answer me and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant for in your sight. No one living in righteous, for the enemy has procured, Persecuted. persecute my soul, has, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. Thank you so much, Oshin. So, this was David crying out to God. He said, hear my cry. I'm praying to you. I'm calling out to you because my heart 
is distressed. I'm overwhelmed. You ever feel overwhelmed as a Christian? My heart is distressed. Maybe, maybe you feel in school, you feel overwhelmed. Oh, this is so hard being a Christian. So hard being a Christian and you know, people are making fun of me or I can't do this and I can't do that and you're, you're distressed or you're overwhelmed. And this was like David, because he was following God, the enemy were after him. The enemy were after him. And you know, the Bible says we have an enemy of our soul, which is, this, which is the devil, and he wants to make life really hard for us. And he does it through many different ways. But he was distressed, wasn't he? he even though we think of David as a guy who beat Goliath, there were times when he was distressed and he was overwhelmed. Okay, Oshin, do you want to read this? And this, this is... Aaron, Aaron. Oh, oh, Aaron, sorry. <laughs> Aaron, and this is... Um, this is a prophecy about Jesus as well. To the chief musician sent to David, dear of the dawn, as sounds of David, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you, why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I'm not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and they delivered. They trusted in you, and were not ashamed. That's okay, we just do it. That's hmm? perfect. That's fine. That's fine. Great. Thank, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Oshin. Thank you so much. So that's a famous verse, isn't it? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus said those same words on the cross. So Jesus, I don't know if you can say it was a doubt, but it was Jesus was saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus felt that. And so it's a human emotion to feel abandoned, to feel where is God, to feel overwhelmed. It's an emotion that Jesus felt himself on the cross, and we know David felt it. And that was why David went to the Philistines because he felt overwhelmed and you know we can feel sometimes we can feel fed up we can feel fed up in our Christian walk because this is too hard I just feel fed up and sometimes because of that we mess up have you ever messed up in a big way have you ever messed up in a big way? Sometimes we mess up. Because we're fed up, we just mess up and we do something we shouldn't do, like David going to the Philistines. We mess up. But David, there's one thing he didn't do, and that was give up. He didn't give up. You know, there was a famous, there was a famous ruler in the 20th century, uh, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, and he had many famous speeches, but one of them, he was speaking to 
a school, a very posh school in England. And it was at a time when England was losing the war and they had food rations, they couldn't eat a lot and they couldn't do a lot and the soldiers were finding it very hard. They were getting beating, beaten. And he, Winston Churchill was asked to give a speech to a school, a Harrow School. And his famous words were, never, 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 never give in. He didn't say give up, he said give in. He said, never, 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 never give in. No matter how hard it gets, you may mess up, just like David messed up. You may be fed up. But God is saying to you, don't ever give in. And Winston Churchill was talking about giving in to the enemy at that time, who were the, the German army who were coming, Hitler's Nazis who were coming over. And he was saying, don't give up. Don't give in. And God is saying that to us today, I believe. No matter how hard you're feeling, life is at the moment, whether it's because of the coronavirus or it's because of just life in general, family circumstances. You may just be fed up. You may have messed up. You may be thinking, you know, you know the devil is great at accusing us, reminding us of the bad things we did in the past. But God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. And so David, even though he had messed up by going to the Philistines, he hadn't given up. And so one thing he said, one thing he said to um, the king, he said, I don't want to live, don't let me live in the royal city. Why should I live in the royal city with you? Let me live in a town further away. Okay? So David could have had a nice time in the royal city, hanging out with the king, Okay, he'd been through so much. He'd been in the wilderness for so long, running from cave to cave, and he could have had a nice time. But David still wanted to serve the Lord. He still wanted to follow God. And so he said, I don't want that. And you know, sometimes, again, when we find it hard in life, in a Christian walk, we go, you know, I think I'll just take it easy. I just want to take, can I just take it easy, put my feet up, kind of go along with the, what the world is going along with, take it easy. But that wasn't David's approach. He wanted to go and do the work of God. And in this case, the work of God was getting rid of the, the enemy, because the, the, the enemy of Israel, because they had so much, there was so much sin, and they were a threat to Israel. And so David was active, and he kept doing God's work, okay? Even though he had, if you like, a crisis of faith. And not only did he do God's work, he didn't leave, he didn't do it by half. There was not, none of the enemy was left at all, okay? And so it's the same with us. Sometimes, you know, we mess up and God understands that. Sometimes we're fed up. God understands that. But God doesn't want to get us to give up. But the other thing that he doesn't want us to do, and David didn't do this, is compromise. 
okay? David killed the whole army because he knew if he, if he didn't, word would get back to the king. And the king would know that he wasn't really, um, David w w was, was still serving the Israelites. So David had to do everything he could to protect the, re the reputation he had with the king. And it's the same with us. God doesn't want us to compromise. If God puts something in, in your life and he says, you need to get rid of this. This is in your life. It's not what I want. Get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. Okay? And that's showing no compromise to sin. So there may be something in your life that God is putting his, his finger on and saying, this shouldn't be in your life now. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to feel overwhelmed by, by situations. But the two things you can't do are give up and compromise. I'm just going to finish with this uh, verse from, verses from the writer to the Hebrews. So the Hebrews, does anyone know what Hebrews were? And don't say they're male tea bags. <laughs> Hebrews were the Israelites, they were Jewish people, okay? But the writer to the Hebrews, he was writing to Jews who had become Christians. And as a result of them becoming Christians, what did that mean? They had this new freedom, didn't they? They didn't have to do everything by the law, right? But even though they had this new freedom and God has given us great freedom, it didn't mean that they had an easy life. Far from it. Because all the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus wanted to persecute them and they were persecuting them. And you know, being a Christian is not an easy life. So if, you, if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, think very hard. Because it is not an easy life. In, in Acts it talks about many hardships. Many hardships to enter, enter the kingdom of God. We, we go through many hardships. And Jesus himself talked about a, a gate. There's a narrow gate that goes to eternal life. And there's a broad road that leads to destruction. So the broad road, loads of people can go on it because it's an easy road. It's like the M50. Easy to get on. But then there's a narrow gate. There's a narrow gate. And that's the way for Christians. And very few find it. The Bible says, Jesus says, very few people find it. Because it's not easy. But the great thing is, just like God was with David, he will be with you. Okay? But it's important to know, first of all, before you become a Christian, or if you are a Christian, to have a good understanding that to following God, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But there is a great, there was a great reward and great prize at the end, and that is eternal life and life with, life with, with God in heaven. Okay? That is, that is the ultimate goal for all of us. But it is going to be hard. So, so this, this guy... He was writing to the Hebrews, they were going through a very hard time. And this is what he said to them. 
Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, in other words, you understood that Jesus was God, you endured great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches, people making fun of you, and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. So basically, those who stepped out, the Jews who stepped out to be Christians, they got a very hard time. For you had compassion on me in my chains. So the writer to the Hebrew, he was put into jail for what he believed. And you joyfully accepted the stealing of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. So they lost a lot of their goods, a lot of their possessions. But they knew, even though they were losing these possessions, that they had better possessions in heaven. Okay? And it's the same with us as Christians. And I don't know if you've gone through hardship. I haven't gone through any hardship like that. And yet they were faithful. And the writer says, Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which is great reward. God has a great reward for you. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he is coming, he who is coming, will not, and will not tarry. So Jesus is coming. Even though it's going to be hard for the moment, Jesus is coming. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anybody draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. So God wants you to know it's okay if you've messed up. It's okay if you're feeling overwhelmed. He wants you to know he knows you're feeling overwhelmed. He knows it. And it's okay to feel that. But he also wants to say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. And it doesn't mean don't give up going to church, because you can go to church, but inside you've given up. It could be given up, um, given up in a situation in, at home with my family. It just never gets resolved. I'm giving, I'm giving up. God doesn't want you to give up. It could be in school. You're finding something hard. God is with you. He knows that you're finding it hard. He doesn't want you to give up. And he doesn't want you to compromise. He doesn't want you to compromise with any sin in your life. And that means your life, there's going to be hard times in your life. Okay? But God is with you. And there's a great reward. A great reward on the way. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. It's so, um, um, it's so different, Lord, to, to a lot of our thinking, Father. And I know this, this was quite a hard word, Lord. But I do pray, Father, that you will encourage us um, that you are with us. You are with us in the hard times, Lord. And that you love us more than anyone else in this world, Father. So much more. And I pray uh, you will give us that persevering heart, Lord, and the faith to believe that you are coming soon with a great reward. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.